Hello and welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast. The podcast is kindly sponsored by Visit by GES, our smart event solution partner. For more information on Visit by GES and its smart event solutions, head over to visit.ges.com. As ever, a very good morning, afternoon or evening to our podcast followers, wherever or whenever you may be tuning in to us from. Don't forget to stay up to date with all of the latest content from Event Industry News by downloading the Event Industry News app available for all the major mobile devices. And don't forget to follow us as well on Twitter and get any questions or comments related to the industry or the podcast using at Event News Blog. On today's podcast, we are going to be discussing the following statement. The events industry will lose out if it does not improve the digital experience it delivers to its customers. To explain more about that statement and to tell us why they support it, we welcome today's guest, Vice President EMEA for Ruckus, Nick Watson. Nick, a very good afternoon and thanks for joining the podcast. Hello, everybody, and thanks for having me on the uh, session. Um, first of all, um, this is uh, the first time we've, we've had you on the podcast, Nick, and the first time we've spoken to anybody from Ruckus. Tell us about the company, first of all, and its connection to the live industry and why that makes it relevant to today's episode. Yeah, so Ruckus is a premium Wi-Fi and switching vendor. We manufacture technology specific to large public venues, outdoor spaces, exhibition centers, uh, and by that I mean uh, outdoor Wi-Fi as well as indoor Wi-Fi. Uh, we've been uh, gradually improving and nurturing that technology over the last 13 years and continue to invest in a way that now uh, gives us an opportunity to work with some of the biggest new stadia and some of the most leading edge uh, technology as people try to grapple with the challenge of how to interact with today's ever-hungry rich media fans, uh, attendees, in every respect. And, and over those 13 years, and particularly the last five years, where this has become more and more critical to venues, we've had a lot of coaching from venue owners, from uh, uh, people who are in the events industry. And, and we think that we now have a good amount of knowledge which uh, we would like to be able to share with people and, and perhaps we'll talk some more about that and the, the technicalities behind as we go through uh, today's podcast, James. Well, going back then to the, to the original statement that I read out at the top of the episode, and I think it's important now that I'll just recap that, that same statement. The events industry will lose out if it does not improve the digital experience it delivers to its customers. The first and perhaps most obvious question to me then, what exactly could the industry lose out on? Well, I think this is a case where I'll draw on my own kind of keenness for Formula One or motor racing in general. Uh, going back about uh, five years, it became increasingly difficult to get a really immersive fan experience in Formula One unless you really paid a ton of money to get into the right part of the venue where the, the real energy was going on. And of course, in the meantime, technology enabled you remotely to get a fantastic experience. So the real challenge we see is that ideally people want to be in the venue to get the energy, whether it's a cricket match, a football match, motor racing, whatever it might be, they want to be in there, 
but, but being in there, you should get a better experience. And, and the challenge is today with the rich media, the devices that we use, we want to be able to use both. We want to be there and share our experience with people who are not there. And, and, and at the moment, we are in danger of being preferred to use our device as opposed to preferred to being in the event. And we, we see this regularly in terms of different age groups actually preferring to be in front of their game machine or computer than actually going to a game. And it's mm. kind of one of those where how do we square with that dynamic? Because that's how people want to consume entertainment increasingly and yet. <laughs> and so the and yet is let, how could we do both in the venues themselves? So when we're talking about losing out, what, what we are talking about is uh, people voting with their feet, so to speak, actually not turning up to events full stop because they prefer the digital experience that they can get either at home or, or, or remotely other than being actually in that, in that place at that time. Well, particularly that, and in addition, what we see is that different venue owners in different cities are competing for the same traffic. So whilst on the one hand, if you're, you're going to watch the ashes, you know exactly where you're going to go and there aren't options. You can't go to a different location to watch it. You either go there or you watch it remotely. But in many cases, event organizers are actually competing with other event organizers. And uh, what we're seeing is quite a dramatic shift. And we've got some examples of where City A has actually taken footfall away from City B purely on the use of advanced technology and enhancing their particular city and their particular venues. And we see that as an increasing trend. What sort of, of technology are we talking about when you said that City B has enhanced its offering? Are there, are there specific uh, examples of, of either hardware being deployed or better connectivity? What, what are we talking about here specifically? Yeah, so I, I think one of the ones that has a lot of collateral around it, so your, your listeners, uh, viewers can kind of research this some more. If we take the city of San Jose in Silicon Valley, for many of us who've been there many, many years, it wasn't actually that enticing. The center of San Jose wasn't an attractive place. Uh, and the city of San Francisco has always been a very attractive place. And both have large venues and both are competing largely for the same kind of conferences, for the same kind of people who are putting on events. So what we saw happening was San Jose said, actually, you know what? I'm in the technology area. I'm attracting people to technology conferences. I'm going to give them a completely seamless experience from the time when they walk off the air airliner, connect to Wi-Fi. I'm going to give them fantastic connectivity. I'm going to keep them on that Wi-Fi without having to have all the annoying sign-ons or anything like that. They're going to be authenticated. They're going to be secured. And then I'm going to take them on a journey where they're absolutely delighted to stay in my city to go into my conference center and to be here again next year instead of going to San Francisco. And, and they added to that a number of extra dimensions to it, like proximity, location-based services, like understanding how to push. A lot of your, your, your listeners, your readers will absolutely know about this, but that's what they, they brought technology to an environment and they successfully 
took footfall away from another city. We see that as an increasing trend. And and when you're talking about that sort of level of project, we're also talking about a significant level of investment. Um, when we go back to our original statement that, that was made at the start of the episode about industries, uh, the event industry losing out if it doesn't improve the digital experience, are we talking about a certain level of, of event? Because smaller level or me, even medium-sized uh, events couldn't contemplate networking an entire city and, and, and open public spaces to do that. It, are some of these translatable though down to medium-sized events? Yeah, certainly. I mean, if you take uh, something like the Excel Centre in uh, Docklands in the UK or the Bella Centre in Copenhagen, these are kind of not, not gigantic uh, you know, in the scheme of things worldwide, and yet each of those has understood the difference between giving somebody a mediocre experience where it's frustrating to be there to giving them an absolutely wonderful experience where they're delighted to be there. And, and, and the investment doesn't have to be mind-blowing. I mean, in, in the scheme of things and the way in which people are already investing in events, it, it, it is a modest element of the overall outlay that somebody would have to make. When we are talking about the um, the actual digital experience and going back to what you were mentioning about City A and City B and, 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 and the reference of um, Formula One and motor racing, for example, what is the split between the connectivity and being able to connect uh, uh, to, to an internet feed or, or, or to a Wi-Fi uh, signal um, and the actual content that's being put out by the event organizers because you could have fantastic connectivity somewhere but if the content is not being put out and pushed forward and being made accessible by the event organizer it doesn't matter how good the connectivity is if there's nothing there to look at. So where does your sort of area of, of expertise lie and how much reference have you got between balancing that content and connectivity and making sure that they both go hand in hand? Well, I mean, this is exactly the point. I mean, this is the difficult bit to, to balance because, yes, if the content isn't really that interesting, doesn't have a, a rich media uh, content, isn't... Um, the right kind of information, timely, you know, with different segregations, different camber angles, all, all the things that we love, then yeah, clearly it doesn't matter how fast it, the speed is. But equally, if, if, if you've got that kind of content, this is the double whammy. As soon as you start to produce the content that people want to absorb, you're immediately into, you'd better have really quick connectivity and it's not about being connected it's about the application that you're delivering the the video feed the, the media content you're delivering and making sure that what people are going to use that for they have built a network a, a wireless technology to suit that and, and the example here is that say five years ago even the, the, it was a downlink speed that everybody was really interested in. How quickly could I pull down information? But today, the uplink speed, how quickly I can post information, is actually even more important. Example being, I'm at a match, I want to share with everybody that fantastic video clip of that goal. You know, and, and I want to do it immediately, and I'm sending it, but so are a thousand other people around me. So you've got a very high density of people with a lot of devices in, in quite a difficult 
a radio frequency environment, not to get too technical, but Stadia are about as bad as it gets to get a really good Wi-Fi signal and connectivity. You've got to be really it's precise. Steel and metal everywhere. You've got metal everywhere, yes. Yeah? So you have a Faraday cage around. You have to be avoiding the temptation to, to flood information to kind of flood Wi-Fi because the biggest issue you have with connectivity is actually interference. It's not actually the performance. It's the interference of lots of different Wi-Fi and radio signals competing with each other. And so unless you've really done a, a fine design, that won't work either. So, But your point is exactly the one. We all want to consume things. You know, nobody really wants to read a white paper anymore. Do they? They want to do what we're doing here. They want to go, okay, let's have a sound bite. Let's understand more about this. Let's have a video. Let's go and research. Everybody does that now. Nobody really wants to read a, a white paper, or very rare. So the challenge now is we want to provide great experiences to, uh, to the, the event attendees, to the fans, and yet to do that, both the content and how you provide that content, how you distribute it, how you connect to it, are equally important. They go hand in hand, and the moment they get out of sync, you're in trouble again. Um, another question that I suppose doesn't relate directly as such uh, to your work, but certainly indirectly, is the question of the actual devices themselves the, the, you know, that the, the are being used to access this content. Again, you create fabulous content as an organizer, Ruckus help them put in fantastic connectivity, but ultimately you're relying then on the end user, the, the public and the visitors to that particular event, having a device in their pocket or something that can actually access that content appropriately. Now, okay, we would argue that there are billions of smartphones now and most people carry a smartphone in their pocket, but uh, is that content always designed to work best on a smartphone or are we anticipating that at certain events people will be bringing tablet devices as well with them? Um, how is that judged on a case-by-case -case basis as, as to how content and connectivity will be designed, whether or not it will be for, for just smartphones or whether or not you're going to take into account laptops and tablets as well? Well, I mean, again, this is you're really getting to the heart of, of the engineering challenge of getting this done properly. If you go back to Rio and some of the stadia we did back in uh, 2000 and more uh, crumbs, well, a fair few years ago now, I think five years back from the point where those were being done, the devices that we were building around, so you know, the kind of devices had different antenna technology and different screen formats and, and, and everything else. So today, the answer is you've got to cater for somebody who might be relatively, um, you know, uh, relatively slow to adopt to the person who's got the very latest iPhone and everything in between. And they might be using tablets, so the formatting and the capability to absorb, it's, it's got to be all-encompassing. You can't leave people stranded, and, and in some cases this means that somebody may not be as wealthy as able to go and buy a $1,000 um, iPhone will still want to be part of that uh, you know, event. And so it's got to be both, and therefore you've got to compress the content carefully so that people can consume it. But one of the things I think people uh, trivialize is that today, you hear a lot of talk about 3G, 4G, 5G mobile networks. And, yeah. and again, one of the issues, depending on where you are in the world, is A, the sheer cost 
of data on those kind of networks is prohibited. Yeah. I just came back from AfricaCom last week, and I, I assure you, they want to get the same kind of content. You know, some of the cricket stadia we're just uh, deploying it out there. You know, they want to use the same kind of thing. Uh, you know, rugby, cricket, but they don't have the amount of money to spend on data. So unless you use technology which enables people to get that at a, in an inexpensive way within the stadia and outside, um, then again, you're not going to get to your fan base. Uh, and, and I think this is something that is easily trivialized. I think people uh, in sort of the, the, the better off parts of the world just take it that you can use something that today is a relatively inexpensive data feed. Depends where you are in the world, and, and that may not be the case. The data is, is, is a major issue because uh, somebody pointed out to me recently, actually on, on a previous episode of the podcast, when we were looking at a very closely related uh, subject, we were looking at venue Wi-Fi, um, and the, the stat that the, the guest pointed out to me was that we're utilizing or, or demanding three times as much data as consumers year on year. So every yep. year we want three times the amount of data. Um, yep. and, and the question that instantly raised to me when it comes to venue connectivity and uh, temporary networks for events is that you're constantly having to scale up the system that's in some way. You're constantly having to put a new installation in or redesign something, not just for the current needs, but perhaps with the next three, four, five years worth of, of, of increase in data. Um, is the cost of data ultimately going to come down like other technologies do, or because of what it is, will the and the demand for it, will the utilities companies ultimately always put a premium on utilizing vast quantities? Well, I, I certainly agree. I mean, I think also uh, the, the extra element to this is there's uh, going to be a 20-fold increase in the number of devices connecting between now and 2020. So you've got this massive amount of growth. But today already there are eight times more devices connected to Wi-Fi than to small cell or, or cellular type of, of networks. And, and Wi-Fi, although it doesn't you know, have to cost much, it generally isn't for free. Somebody's paying for it, whether it's through advertising or, or some way you're recouping that amount. But the difference is that because nobody has now bought the spectrum, nobody has paid a huge amount of money for a license, it's shared spectrum. It's, it's something that is essentially inherently using the radio frequency is free. It's how the infrastructure has been provided. And, and increasingly, therefore, you're seeing a move away from um, service providers who are trying to recover, frankly, the investment they've made to venues, particularly the, the examples we're talking about here, exhibitions, venues. It, even the mobile connectivity today is now being provided as part of the Wi-Fi network. In other words, the Wi-Fi becomes the backbone radio network, if you like, in the same way as fiber broadband would be the backbone of, of the, the local area and wide area network. Think of Wi-Fi as, as the backbone of the radio network, and then everything else hangs off that. And if, if people design in a way that they expect a need to increase and add to it over the next five years, then people should be 
as as successful as they can. Now, there is no secret source here. We we are constantly astonished as technologists how quickly technology evolves. So it, it certainly is important to understand that even if you put in the very leading edge technology which you consider to be mission critical, you know, so you've got to have the resiliency. It's no good just using the very latest unless it's proven. So yeah, that's that balance. But even if you put that in today, in three years' time, it will already be struggling unless you work out with whoever you're working with as a service provider a, a, an upgrade and refresh program so that you're regularly checking that what you've got there is still fit for purpose. So it isn't just a fit and forget, I'm sorry to say. When um, the, the events industry, and this podcast particularly, will go out to you know people all over the world, and I, I was fortunate enough very, very recently to, to be at the Event Tech Live um, show in, in London, where there are, I think, uh, people from 47 countries represented mm. um, in a one-day tech conference and, and exhibition. Um, when you go around the world, how, how vast, and I always ask this question, how vast is the, the difference between one place to another? You mentioned places out at San Jose in California, which is fabulous. You mentioned a couple of places in the UK. You've also mentioned that you're working in places like Africa and have no doubt gone to places like the Indian subcontinent. Um, how does it vary uh, in terms of its permanent infrastructure? So it, it's infrastructure of you know internet, fiber optic, whatever they may be running, and also the cellular connectivity that you can utilize. Um, how does it differ? Well, increasingly less than people would expect. I'm, I'm constantly surprised when I go into some of the countries where you know the, the image is, they don't have broadband, you know, they don't have fiber connectivity. You know, over the last five years, there have been huge strides made to connect international cable and to connect at very high speeds physically. The challenge in the recent last two or three years has been more about how do I get that final N miles. And it, people talk about the last mile, but it's not the last mile. It, it could be you know many miles from where the cable is because obviously the companies running in the fiber connectivity are going to take that to the place where they can make the most money. They're not going to, they're not, they're not trying to be a charity. Now, government can obviously make changes to that and persuade it, but, but by and large, the difference isn't as great as some people would imagine. So if you look at the cricket stadium in, in India that were uh, done uh, two years ago now, um, they, they are huge stadia using the very latest technology. They have a huge crowd capacity. I mean, you know, 100,000, you know, they're big stadia. And yet they have tremendous performance from the technology they've put in there. Um, if you look at uh, some of the uh, stadia in, in Africa, particularly South Africa, uh, they're, they're equal uh, to anything that you would see around the world. The, 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 the steps where people are constantly trying to kind of set the bar uh, are the new, brand new developed stadia where uh, you know, billions of dollars are being put in. And so we see in the United States some areas that are really, as I said about San Jose, in some cases a redevelopment of a city along with a stadia because these are monster infrastructure projects. Yeah. So they're, they're a little bit unfair to compare, but, but less and less is it a case that one country is backward compared to another it's more to do with how people have embraced this and, and um, 
today, as I mentioned earlier, one of the biggest issues I do see is that where people don't have access to Wi-Fi, they're just simply paying too much for the data. So for somebody to set a stadia or an exhibition environment and then expect people to use their mobile phone data to consume the content, it's just simply not realistic. It's not going to happen. And, and ultimately, because people are providing such a large amount of rich material, of course, that in itself is a huge amount more data. We know today that in many cases, the files that we're sending around, we no longer send by email enclosure because it's simply too big for the gateway. We put it onto Dropbox or something like, well, it's, that's not going to slow down. That's going to increase. Um, so we have to be mindful of the people that we want to come along to our events may not actually be able to afford to uh, you know, use data feeds. So we've got to provide something that is as near to free as we feel suitable, given the venues will vary. Uh, yeah, and I always find it quite, um, I, I don't know if cheeky is the right way to, dis to describe it, but um, th there isn't an event that I've been to in the last you know, few years that, that doesn't have you know, a significant social media uh, presence. It doesn't have various apps and ways that you can engage with that particular event, whether that be a trade show or a conference or you know whatever it is. Um, and so I do find it very cheeky that event organizers and media agencies and companies will go to great lengths to develop the content and, and to generate all of these things that we can access, but then simply say, oh yeah, the venue that we've booked has got Wi-Fi. We'll just rely on whatever it's got to you know, to do the job. And I was in, you know, a, a venue very recently that shall remain nameless that was exactly that scenario. You had mm -hmm. an event that had loads and loads of content, it had apps, it had all sorts of stuff that they were wanting you to engage with. Um, you hooked onto the venue's in-house Wi-Fi system and in all honesty it wasn't fit for purpose. The, 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 the speeds both up and down were, were, were terrible um, and there was just no way realistically once the event was open and full that they were going to be able to utilize that network as a means to communicate. So it, it does strike me as something and I suppose what that moves us on to is, is advice for, for event professionals and for event organizers. You know, you're in a position where you've worked with, a, with lots of them around the world in, in, in many, many different venues and locations. Going back to our original statement of the industry losing out if it doesn't improve its experience, we've identified that the experience is both the connectivity and the content that's being pushed out there. So what advice can we now start offering to, to event organizers based on everything we've looked at? Well, I, I think firstly, um, from the very beginning of the design of the civil engineering part of a, a new stadia or the refurb element of it. People need to be mindful of simple things like where you mount an access point makes all the difference in the world. And there are different designs in how you go about it which are very difficult to retrofit once you've started to do the refurb or, or the new uh, infrastructure build. Uh, and so I would say early on, you know, contact suitable people who understand this, we would obviously say, you know, please come to us, but, you know, suitable people, um, we have done this a few thing, a few times, as a minimum, we'll be able to give you an opinion. You may choose to, you know, go in a different direction, but but seek opinions early, early on. I, I think in many cases, people would certainly be putting in uh, the um, structured cabling, the um, the power, so HVAC, 
uh, everything relating to fire and safety, but sometimes the very bit that differs for the experience gets forgotten. And if it's forgotten until too late, that makes it incredibly hard to get a good experience. Whereas early design, that can make a big, big difference. Uh, and in terms of cost as well, because if it's thought about early on, you can use less infrastructure. So it isn't just a, you know, you would say that, wouldn't you? You're selling Wi-Fi technology. It's actually, well, yeah, but we can save you quite a bit of money if you engage early on because we can build you a different architectural design. Are we, are we close to the point or are, are we at the point where um, a Wi-Fi or a connectivity, let's call them a connectivity supplier or contractor, is as um, indisposable, so to speak, as other elements of, of running an event that, that are seen as absolutely critical. So if you were if you were staging a conference in a in a large venue, you would need audio, you would need lighting, you would need screens, you would need catering, you would need staging, you would need uh, a registration badge supplier. Is it now really that we should be adding Wi-Fi and connectivity to that list as one of those critical pieces? Because I still see, and from where I look out into the industry, I still see a lot of people as only using it on a, an ad hoc basis as and when they think it could be a bit iffy. At that point, they go, oh, well, we'll see if we can maybe get somebody in to have a look at it. Other than that, it's still very much a case of, oh, the venue's got Wi-Fi or wherever we go in's got connection, we'll just use it. Yeah, I, well, yeah. I mean, I'm absolutely in agreement with you. The 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 challenge really uh, is that if you don't treat it seriously, you simply are laying yourself open to getting a whole host of complaints. If you look at the uh, Accor Hotels Arena in um, the middle of Paris, where it was recently refurbed, I think that's uh, two years ago when we did that, um, and um, they really did take it seriously. So the gentleman who project managed that, you know, understood the value in interaction, understood that, for example, that they uh, thought through the, I might want to go into my seat, have a location-based connectivity with my device, I might want to order some food, it's, it's Paris, so I order some wine, and I want to have that delivered to my seat. And, and actually through being able to give that kind of experience, they very quickly recovered all of the, the money that they spent on it. Uh, and it's certainly, if, if we just think about the, the other elements you mentioned, the lighting, etc., why, why are you spending time focusing on that? Because you can't afford for that to go wrong. Why? Because it matters, the experience that happens. And I, I would put it to everyone that it matters equally or if you talk to many of the younger uh, viewers, they would say, to hell with that, it's much more important, the connectivity I have. You know, if I can't post Snapchat uh, of, of the latest activity happening and I can do it, you know, immediately and then get feedback from my friends as to how they viewed it and, you know, annotate it so that I'm bringing some addition to, if I can't do that, I'm really having a bad time because that's what I want to do. So so as people start to think about who, who are the guests, who are the people they want to draw in, you've got to put yourself in the mindset of those people and what they really want to do. And I'm sorry to say, um, if you trivialize that and you try and do it as a bolt-on, uh, well, you're just risking so much um, because it's very easy today to completely flood a uh, you know an old 
older design um, Wi-Fi network. Uh, and once it's once it's completely at uh, capacity, uh, then where do you go? I mean, it, you simply will get so many complaints that it'll be hell for you. Much better to prepare ahead of time and avoid that. Um, it, it, it's excellent advice, and, and it all relates to the statement that we posed at the beginning of today's podcast, which was, the events industry will lose out if it does not improve the digital experience it delivers to its customers. And I'm very pleased to say that that statement has been addressed, answered, and identified in fantastic detail um, by uh, Ruckus Vice President for EMEA, Nick Watson, who has joined us on today's podcast. Nick, um, thank you very much for your time. As we get towards the end of today's episode, um, if people do want to track you guys down and maybe find out a little bit more about you and, uh, and get an opinion on whatever it is they're doing, how can they find you? We're a very distinctive company. We, our emblem is a, a very cute Labrador-looking black dog. Uh, we're Ruckus, which is R-U-C-K-U-S, Ruckus Wireless, uh, hashtag Ruckus Wireless. You, you'll find us easily on, on social media. We like everything social. That's what we do. And uh, so, yeah, I'm delighted to hear from anybody. And the thing that I didn't mention is um, even though all of Wi-Fi is quite... Um, challenging to get right and you have to be precise stadia are a step further so it's the only part of our business where we have a dedicated professional services group purely to do the rf design work and you know we're happy to engage in any discussions with anybody anywhere in the world Fantastic. Um, yeah, Nick, thanks very much for your time. Um, we, we come to the end of, of today's uh, podcast. Before we go back for our final thanks, don't forget that the podcast is kindly sponsored by Visit by GES, our smart event solution partner. And on that note, I should point them out with a, uh, a plug for my lovely new water bottle picked up at Event Tech Live recently. For more information on Visit by GES and its smart event solutions, head over to visit.ges.com. Don't forget about the Event Industry News app available for all the major mobile devices. And on Twitter, at Event News Blog is where to find Event Industry News. If you've got any questions or if you want to have a look at the news feed and what's going on on social media. But as always, we finish the podcast by thanking once again our guest, Nick Watson, Vice President EMEA for Ruckus, who's uh, given us some great insight today into the subject of con uh, connectivity, content, the digital experience at events. Nick, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, everybody. Great to uh, have this experience with you and uh, good luck with everything in the events industry. Fantastic. Nick, thanks very much. My name is James Dixon, and uh, we will see you once again on the Event Industry News podcast. See you later. Bye-bye.